going on, family? Happy Tuesday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and it's a pleasure and privilege to be hanging out with you today as we talk more in the world of pro wrestling. Big shout out to everybody who joined us all week long and yesterday and whenever you join us on the socials at Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show. We really appreciate that. Shout out to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast from all around the country and around the world. We really, really appreciate you hanging out with us. You guys are increasing in number and we really appreciate it. It makes a big deal when we present content to you and you guys are listening, you're sharing, you're talking about it. It's a big deal. If you've not done any of those things, today's a great day to do that. So go ahead and share this episode with your friends, with your timeline. Let people know not only that you love wrestling, but that you love the faction and that there's some interesting perspectives here that'll get your mind working and that will go ahead and create conversation. With that said, yesterday we began a two-part series as we are recapping NWA 73 weekend. It kicked off, of course, with the NWA Empower pay-per-view, which was really something special. And of course, today we're going to be talking about NWA 73, representing the 73rd anniversary of the NWA. Before we do that, yesterday we shared some preliminary ratings with you for SmackDown as the ratings for Rampage had not come in yet, we can now give you some information about both of those. First of all, this Friday's episode of SmackDown was very interesting for a couple of reasons. The initial numbers that came in also reflected NFL preseason action that preempted the WWE on Fox in several markets. I know that happened here in Atlanta last week, not this past week, but the week prior. And it happened in several other markets as well. So it caused the numbers to look one way when they were really completely different. So the inflated numbers were somewhere around 2.8 or 2.9 million. The actual numbers look more like 2.25 million. Now that might sound like a low number, but we have to understand that that's the best viewership that SmackDown has had since the July 16th episode, which was the first post Thunderdome episode when they returned to live fans. So that's a really big deal considering a couple of things. First of all, it is the post show following SummerSlam. It marked the return of Becky Lynch to the blue brand. We haven't seen Becky Lynch certainly on WWE television in over a year, let alone on SmackDown when of course she was moved over to Raw after winning both championships. So it certainly is a big note for SmackDown. They should be excited. It should be great. Congratulations. Not just that, but what happened on Rampage? Now, we knew, and let's just be clear, there is no way to replicate what happened with CM Punk last week. You're not going to find a million viewers tuning in when there is no debut of CM Punk. Let's also add to it that it was a taped show, the first taped version of Rampage since the inception of the show. So what would happen on this one? Well, I can't say that we're surprised or really disappointed with the results. AEW Rampage pulled in 722,000 viewers, which again doesn't really compare to its over 1 million the week before, but it actually is in line with their debut, which was around 750, 760. So congratulations to them that there's definitely a group of people who love AEW Rampage. And we can't stress this enough. Friday night at 
10 p.m. Eastern is a really tough time slot. Certainly during the height of the pandemic where people weren't going outside, any time frame was a good time frame. But these days when people are venturing outside, even though COVID is still pretty, pretty active, People aren't necessarily taking the time to say, I'm going to sit down on a Friday night and watch television, let alone three potential hours of wrestling if you are a fan of both AEW and WWE. So congratulations to both SmackDown and Rampage for having a great night on Friday night. Here's the other piece of news that I think is of great, great importance. Both shows had the highest rated show among their competition. SmackDown was way in front of everything else in the broadcast network in that important demographic of 18 to 34 and in the demographic of 18 to 49. So they did amazingly well compared to shows like Shark Tank and 2020. On the cable side of things with Rampage, Rampage came in second only to football among cable originals in both of those demos. So that's exciting to see. They did beat the NFL from a worse time slot with the latter group. So with all of that said, SmackDown and Rampage are doing well because while they're not going head to head, they are going head to head with competition in their spaces. And again, you can't compare what's happening on network TV to what's happening on cable TV. So congratulations to SmackDown down and rampage it is just another reminder that pro wrestling is alive and well and i told you guys several months ago actually it may have been a year or two ago where we're really living in the greatest era of pro wrestling ever people argued with me because they were like no it's the attitude era etc etc well here's what we did not know during the Attitude Era, nobody said we're living in the best era of pro wrestling ever because they didn't understand that pro wrestling could change or could move to different heights. But where we are right now is certainly in a resurgence of pro wrestling that's been going on for a few years now with the advent of the internet, with the growth of New Japan Pro Wrestling, with the creation of AEW, with the rise again of independent wrestling, with multiple streaming services allowing you to now view the these wrestling organizations on streaming platforms, be it Peacock or be it IWTV or other networks that are out there, BR Live, etc., 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 or even YouTube or Facebook, there are lots of ways to access the wrestling that you like. And that is is a really big deal and we should include in that number Fight TV who is now the home for the NWA. When we come back we're going to continue our coverage of NWA 73 weekend as we recap NWA 73. Attention wrestling fans, join us for SHW 31, Friday, September 3rd at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. The final stop before our anniversary show, Still Here 3. The SHW title will be on the line as David Ali defends against the winner of the 2021 Rumble Jack, Austin Towers. Gunnar Miller faces his largest challenge yet as he goes one-on-one -on -one with Lethal Poison's hired gun, Cheater. Former members of the Honor Society clash as Jordan 
Kingsley takes on Cyrus the Destroyer. Two of the Southeast's brightest stars collide as AC Mack faces the heathen Logan Creed. Plus, the Petty Party returns with a self-proclaimed Tag Team Championship celebration hosted by Ashton Starr and Zicky Dice. Also in action, technical excellence, Rekka Tahaka, Joe Black, Owen Knight, All-Star Special, and more. Trust us, you don't want to miss this show. Tickets on sale starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7. Bell time at 8. SHW, this is our wrestling. All right, guys, as you heard, SHW 31 goes down this Friday, Labor Day weekend. We kick off the weekend in a big, big way. It's the final show before our three-year anniversary show, so you definitely want to get there. And just a little bit of history, the September shows are always special to me because it's the very first time I ever walked through the doors of SHW, and it hooked me within 15 minutes. So if you're interested, make your way here to the Atlanta area to check out SHW. HW31 Live and in Living Color, you'll be able to see it before it hits IWTV or anything else like that. It's going to be a huge card, a very special night. I can't wait to be a part and I hope to see you there. Now, then, as promised, we continue our recap of NWA 73 weekend. Yesterday, we talked about NWA Empower, which again was just something super, super special. Now it's time for NWA 73, again, taking place from the chase in St. Lewis, Missouri, a big, big night all the way around for the NWA. There were two matches during the pre-show. One of them saw a six-woman tag match as Allison Kay, Marty Bell, and Lady Frost defeated Taryn Terrell, Paola Blaze, and Genocide. Also on the pre-show, PJ Hawks defeated Colby Carino. Now then to the main show. As it kicked off with a triple threat match between Tim Storm, Tom Latimer, and Crimson that saw Tim Storm win this match, it was a brawl real talk. It was a hardcore match that I don't know was supposed to be a hardcore match, but it was crazy, and it really set the tone, I think, for an unpredictable night in the NWA. Again, big, big night for Tim Storm coming in, getting a big, big win, and then two matches later, heading over to the commentary booth. We'll talk about that in a little bit. From there, you had Mickey James, who represented uh, the lone women's representation on NWA 73. She defeated Kylie Ray in what was a fantastic match, only then to be attacked at the end by a mysterious figure who turned out to be the Impact Knockouts champion, Deanna Perrazzo. So I think they're setting up something really, really great for Mickey James. Her career is by no means over, and I think it's a brilliant move for her to be able to obviously showcase who she is in the NWA. It just makes sense with her husband, Nick Aldis, having such a huge role in the NWA. Mickey James adds instant credibility to the women's division wherever she goes, let alone in the NWA. But for her to get attacked by Deanna Perrazzo, who is one of the top female wrestlers in the entire business across any brand, let alone the current Impact Knockouts champion, it just makes sense. This war has been kind of brewing even back on Impact. And so it could easily lead to an Impact Knockouts championship match, which is a win all the way around, no matter which brand hosts it, the NWA or Impact, it is a major win for women's wrestling. 
You can't lose no matter what the results are. If Mickey James wins, she proves again that she still has it by beating one of the all-time greats. The flip side is if Deanna Perrazzo wins, her legend continues to grow. So I love what's happening here involving Mickey James. It's great to see Kylie Ray back in the ring. Of course, she has been signed with the NWA since June, and she looks happy. She looks healthy. It was a great match and another great representation for a weekend that screamed women's wrestling from the NWA. From there, it was Tyrus, the Masked Man, and Jordan Clearwater getting a win in the trios match against the Pope, Paro, and Odinson. It was a really tough, tough match there that saw the Masked Man ultimately get the pin there. It seems as though Tyrus, who is the television champion, is really starting to make some waves there. I'm still a big fan, of course, of Elijah Burke, a.k.a. the Pope, who I think had a great run there as the NWA TV champion, and I hope he gets another opportunity to wear that title. The NWA National Championship was on the line as Chris Adonis, known to many formerly as Chris Masters, defeated James Storm in somewhat of a controversial match. There was a blown ref call and then, of course, Chris Adonis ended up cheating to win and retain the title. Interesting match for sure, but I think a great match with two ring veterans that, again, continues to boost the profile of the NWA. So here's a moment that certainly I think went viral in the wrestling world that a lot of people were talking about. The Nature Boy Ric Flair makes an appearance in an NWA ring for the first time in about 30 years. He has not been a part of the NWA ever since WCW formed and pulled out of the NWA. We've not seen Ric Flair really show up in any version of the NWA until now. And this is huge because the truth of it is what more credible NWA champion in history do you have than Ric Flair? Sure, they hung a lot on the shoulders of Harley Race, but for Harley Race's six or seven times as champion, it did not compare to what Ric Flair did. Ric Flair literally put the NWA on his back in the 80s, turning them into a true national powerhouse, not just making money for Jim Crockett promotions, but for every territory that was connected with the NWA. Nobody did it like Flair. So to have Flair back in an NWA ring meant everything. It was a 15-minute promo that didn't feel like 15 minutes because Flair was coherent, Flair was grateful, Flair was kind. This was the Ric Flair that we've always wanted to see, if we're honest. He he did not have any chains on him, so he was able to really speak freely. He spoke about his love for Vince McMahon. He spoke about the influence of Triple H and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. It is a promo for the ages. Ric Flair just fits in an NWA ring. And I love what he said, that he now has the freedom to be in all of these places. And he felt like Vince McMahon understood that as well. So huge, huge moment for the nature boy, Ric Flair, being one of the most significant NWA champions in history. It made for an amazing moment. Now then, there was a 13-man battle royal. It was supposed to be a 12-man, but the 13th man was a new entrant to the NWA named Judas, and he was brought to the ring by Father James Mitchell. 
He would overcome every other person in the battle royal to win the battle royal and not just win it. In so doing, guarantee himself a shot at the NWA National Championship. So let me just kind of take you behind the velvet rope for a bit, because if you watch this pay-per-view and even if you didn't, you might want to go back to watch it for this, because I felt a special sense of pride because Judeus is an active member of the SHW roster. He is part of the tag team known as Lethal Poison. He's known as Judas or Michael Judas in SHW. We've called tons of his matches. So it was really exciting and it was a surprise to a lot of us in SHW to see him in the NWA. So someone like Sal Renaro, who was in the NWA, was in that battle royal, was also at SHW 30 for the Rumble Jack. He's also involved with Southern Fried Championship Wrestling, etc., etc. So to see Michael Judas on this national stage, meant a lot and so for those of you who are missing out on SHW it's one of the reasons you want to watch because we have the newest and brightest stars in this business who end up showing up on AEW television NWA television impact also in WWE most don't realize that Austin Theory was a part of SHW and you'll soon be seeing the debuting Ben Buchanan who is the son of Bull Buchanan he spent quite a bit of time the last year or so in SHW. So I'm excited to be a part of the SHW brand and I hope you guys are excited for that. And I hope it'll encourage you to go ahead and check out what's going on at SHW. You can do that at independentwrestling.tv. When you sign up, if you use the promo code SHW, you'll get the first five days for free. With that said, Michael Judas, congratulations to you now being a part of what's happening in the NWA. And it looks like we'll be seeing Judea a lot more in the NWA as he is now a top contender for the NWA National Championship. We also saw another women's match here as the NWA World's Women's Championship was on the line as Camille defeated Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green earned the title shot by winning the inaugural Invitational Cup at NWA Empower. It ended up being a phenomenal match that saw Camille retain the title thanks to a submission maneuver and here's what's intriguing about this right Camille two successful title defenses back to back during this huge weekend for the NWA she is by far a dominant female I think Chelsea Green was a great test for her but speaking of Chelsea Green we got to show love to her because again here's someone who did not have a very long career at the WWE on either NXT or SmackDown. But yet, if you go back and you watch her work in the third season of Lucha Underground, you're like, holy cow, how did this woman not succeed in NXT or SmackDown? It is just a reminder that the WWE system is not for everybody. And we have to be good with that. We have to stop looking at the WWE as they are the end-all, be-all. Are they the largest pro wrestling company in the world? Yes, but it does not mean that that's the only place that you can be successful, make money, and thrive. And this is why it is important that organizations like AEW, Impact, the NWA, Ring of Honor, New Japan, SHW, and so many other organizations that are out there are thriving. There are more wrestlers than you can imagine, and those wrestlers need a place to 
to apply their craft. So let's not get into that whole manufactured war between WWE and AEW. As we saw for about a 15 to 16 year period, it's not good when the WWE does not have an alternative. It's not good for wrestlers. It's not good for fans. It's not good, period. So I'm glad that we're in this space for the world of pro wrestling. So congratulations again to Chelsea Green for a great weekend at the NWA. Congratulations to Camille, who continues to exert her dominance as the NWA women's champion. That leads us then to the NWA tag team title match. We have new tag team champions Mecha Wolf and Bestia666 defeat Aaron Stevens and Kratos to become the new champion. Mecha Wolf and Bestia666, known as La Rebellion, were accompanied to the surprise of many by Conan. And it's interesting that Conan seems to find his way to be connected to some of the top stars uh, of Latin descent all across the business. At one point, he had found his way into AEW. At another point, he found his way into Impact, right? He's all over the place, but Conan is a legend and he can do that. With that said, it is the first time in the history of the NWA that there was a Mexican or a Puerto Rican holding the NWA World Tag Team Championships. That's huge. A 73-year history, and again, we have a first when it comes to holding these tag team titles. This is one of the reasons why this weekend was so important for pro wrestling and the NWA. When you have moments in history where you can have your first all-female pay-per-view, when you can have your first Puerto Rican and Mexican tag team champions, these are major and significant moments that should not be overlooked in the sport of pro wrestling, and I think it says a lot for the NWA. The main event, Trevor Murdoch becomes the new NWA world champion by defeating Nick Aldis. This ends arguably the longest championship reign in the modern era, 1,044 days. Let me take you back a bit, because NWA 70 obviously happened like three years ago. And I was actually there. That was the night when Nick Aldis won the NWA World Championship for the second time by defeating Cody Rhodes. Cody would lose that title, and that was 2018 when that happened because it was then that he would go on to get ready to start AEW. That championship match happened in October of 2018. Of course, the NWA celebrated their anniversary this year in August. So three years ago, basically this was nearly a three-year title reign for Nick Aldis. Now that is impressive, no matter what you want to say. Now granted, the NWA is not nearly as active as AEW, WWE, or any of the other promotions. The NWA did take a full year and change off, more like 16 months they took off, you know, during the pandemic, which again, every organization had to make their own choices and nobody decided to strip any champions, which is completely understandable. But even if you take away the 16 months of the NWA being dormant, that's still a lengthy reign for Nick Aldis. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to Trevor Murdoch. Here's someone who has never been a world champion, who wins the NWA world title 
in his hometown of St. Louis. It made for a huge, huge night. So by and large, an incredible weekend for the NWA. Here's the NWA who many thought wouldn't survive the pandemic. They had some tough, tough moments. They lost a lot of talent during the pandemic. Think about it. Stu Bennett, aka Wade Barrett, he left. You also had LA Knight, who was Eli Drake. He left. There are a ton of stars who went from the NWA into AEW or Impact. I think about Eddie Kingston. I think about James Storm, who left. You know, you had women leave as well. Um, it, it just was a massive, massive loss for the NWA. And you could argue that no brand suffered more during the pandemic than the NWA. They lost Dave Lagana due to the speaking out movement. They lost David Marquez, who was one of the executive producers of the NWA. There was a lot of loss that happened for the NWA, and yet they have somehow survived to perform in front of two packed houses to go on the road. This is a win for pro wrestling, not just the NWA. And so I want to invite you, and nobody's telling me to do this, but I'll say this. After watching NWA 73 and NWA Empower, it really does excite me about the future of the NWA. Now, yes, I still believe there are some production issues and commentary issues that happened during NWA 73 that I wish they could fix. For instance, Conrad Thompson on paper seems like he'd be great for commentary given all that he's done with podcasts and the like, but that wasn't a good fit for him. Velvet Sky, who was a regular for commentary for the NWA, not a good fit for her either, right? And then Tim Storm, after having the match he had, comes out two matches later to do commentary again not a good fit. So I do think that there are some changes that are needed at the commentary booth from a production standpoint, but still, there was great, great wrestling that happened this weekend, and it says to me that the NWA is a viable product. The NWA is a viable brand. They have benefited from partnerships with Impact Wrestling and AEW. They have benefited and will continue to benefit. I think these partnerships are necessary because I think the world of pro wrestling has to work together to be able to survive, and I think it's a great thing. So with that said, NWA Power should be worth a look for you, and I would suggest and push as many people as possible who are interested in the NWA product to head over to Fight TV. Be willing to pay that $4.99 a month if you have it for access to NWA Power on a weekly basis and whatever other things the NWA is doing. Now, that does not include their pay-per-views. But why this is important is this. They were able to give us NWA power for free on YouTube when there was regular income. Regular income for the NWA comes from, obviously, ticket sales. You being visible there when they come to your town. Also, when you get to patronize with merchandise and the like. And the other piece of it, which I think is important, is sponsorships. We got to see real sponsorships for them, be it Car Shield. Bush Beer, and a few others. So it's a win. It's a massive win for the NWA, and it excites me as one who loves the sport of pro wrestling. So 
If you've not watched the replays of those, I would suggest that you do it. I think you guys will really, really enjoy the replays of NWA Empower and NWA 73. Kudos to the NWA for putting on an incredible weekend of wrestling. So tonight marks another episode of NXT. It's really kind of winding down the current era of NXT. The new era begins in two weeks. I don't know what that's going to look like. We do have what seems to be an indicator of the new logo, which is very colorful. I don't know that it's a bad thing. I'm kind of liking the new logo. A lot of people don't, but I like it. We'll see how this translates to the product. That's what's going to be most important. We'll see that for sure. Tomorrow, we'll have the ratings and recap for Monday Night Raw. We'll likely talk about NXT and whatever else might be happening in the world of pro wrestling. So with that said, we're going to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing day. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Here we go.